0: Amen. Thank you, Hebba. All right. We're going to be looking at um topic. Obviously, you read it in the booklet, but intimacy with God and why. So my heart um, this afternoon is to give you the best sales pitch you've ever heard on intimacy with God and to sell you on it for the rest of your life. And um, so if I don't do that at the end, don't tell me. It's OK. <laughs> we'll just go with the the idea of it. But I just wanted to give you, first of all, a definition of intimacy and uh, give you also um, a helpful hint around IHOP. Obviously, you figured out we have our own language. We have our own words that we use. We have our own phrases that sound bizarre to you. They sound bizarre to me half the time. So I just want to encourage you in all of your listening and hearing in these next few days and what you've already listened to like look up look it up in a dictionary and make it up in your own language don't use our language half the time i have to decipher our language to make it apply um or to get understanding into my own heart so when we like jennifer was talking about the ravished heart of god that is just such a weird phrase and we throw it around at ihop like nobody's business But it's because we've played around with it for six years for some of us. And so when we throw out things, even intimacy with God can be so mysterious if you just say intimacy with God and you don't bring it down into your personal language of day-to-day life, what that looks like for you. So, I mean, I just looked up intimacy and what does it mean? And that helps me think about it different. You know, intimacy with God sounds too ethereal and out there and I'm not going to get it. It's too maybe romantic sounding or it's too hard sounding or I just don't want to do that. And all intimacy is, is a close friendship. That's my favorite definition. It means togetherness, attachment. And my second favorite definition is confidence. When you have intimacy with God, you could translate that to I am one who's confident with God. And that's that's our our goal and our journey in this life, is to be once confident. And you've heard lots of things thrown around the last few days about the end of the age, even this morning, if you saw that special. How many people saw the dance special this morning? I mean, it's gripping. You're sitting there going... That's intense. Like the music's dramatic, you feel like you're watching Braveheart or something and you're ready to ball or you don't know what to do, but then all of a sudden you realize it's gonna be intense someday. It's really gonna be intense, and what's gonna what's gonna say that I'm gonna be able to endure? And they were saying that in the in the dialogue, who can stand? Will I endure? And he Jesus steps in and says, you know. And in, in part of the dance, he says, sit, like, listen, would you watch and pray with me? Who are the people that are actually gonna watch and pray with him? The disciples fell asleep before the cross. They didn't, they didn't have the understanding to stay awake. And I think that example and other things in scripture are opportunity for us right now to go, you can have the opportunity to have an ear to hear what the Spirit's saying in that hour. So that you can pray when Jesus says pray. When everything's shaking, who are the people that are going to be found on their knees praying? That's intense. And so intimacy with God is the way we get there. It's the only means to this journey. We have no other hope. So just imagine it when people throw around that language or whenever you hear it. Just think of, I get to be a friend of God a friend of Jesus, a close friend. And we all have those close friends who we talk to about everything. Well, maybe not everything, but they get the best of it or they get the worst of it. And that's how we need to treat God. He's big, he's vast, he created us, but he is the most personal thing out there because he created you. I don't know what you're like inside, but he does. So why not talk to him about it? I don't know how he created you. I don't know all those workings, but he did. So why not waste our lives getting to know him so that it can translate into our hearts? So I just wanted to give you that definition of intimacy with God. Of just translate anything we say that doesn't make sense to you and sounds too out there. Translate it into your own words so that it makes sense to you personally. Because if you go home and you can just throw out a bunch of phrases and you don't know how to do it, then we failed. And I, I don't want that. I want young adults who are are any age. It's You get nuggets and you get understanding, but you go home and you go, I can do this. It makes sense to my life personally instead of this thing that sounds beautiful and this beautiful picture, but I don't know how to get in it. So I want you to be able to... I want to be able to dial, down, dial it down for you so that you can grasp it for your day-to-day life. So, I want to look at just real quick the the love of the Godhead, the love of the Trinity. You know, people often think of why why is intimacy with God so important? Well, it sounds like a bad question, but how we live our life actually screams that question. If we would sit down and write down the hours we spend doing this and the hours we spend doing that and the hours this and that, we would realize That we don't believe that intimacy with God is as important as we think we believe it is. And the reality is when you look at the Trinity and you look in scripture, even from the beginning, and you look at the relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and you just meditate on that. Think about the love of the Godhead. Love doesn't work outside of the fact that there's three people in one, three beings in one, perfectly loving each other. They're always giving each to each other, always loving each other. That's what you want to tap into. If it was just this solo God sitting up there who had to relate to nobody outside of, you know, himself, he was just perfect, you'd kind of just, you couldn't touch that. But there's this God who has a spirit who has a son and he loves all all three however they are in fellowship together i don't get it but i love that and when you meditate on that you realize where the love that we talk about comes from because god lives it out himself he is it and he personifies it in his way of living with the holy spirit and with the son so i love the the picture that we get even in Jesus on the earth, how he talks like even in John 15, 9, he says, as the father has loved me, so I love you. Ever, ever sat down and meditated on that scripture? It is like a sponge or something really annoying, not a sponge, but like a bristle pad going up and down your heart if you let that sink in. It's just unnerving, like Jennifer was talking about this morning. The same love that God has for Jesus, who's perfect, and went to the cross and died for us, and in perfect obedience fulfilled his Father's will, that's the love Jesus has for us. I just can't handle that sometimes. It just unnerves me, and I want to run, but I want to run to it at the same time. But meditating on the, that love that the Father and Son have for each other, and then the Holy Spirit bringing it to humanity, all of that, that's what we were created for. God didn't need a bunch of pawns on a chessboard. He didn't need a bunch of things to move around. He wanted people to talk to. Have you ever looked at Read Genesis 1 and go, why did he create man? Cause he wanted fellowship. He walked in the garden with man. He wasn't up here looking down. He was like, I want to get down. I just created all of it and I want to go in it. I want to be a part of it. That's love. That's fellowship. That's the reason all of, this is the reason we're all sitting here. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth because He wanted fellowship. He wanted man. And the the whole story of the Bible is God's pursuit to have fellowship with man. The whole story. Yes, He's frustrated. I mean, yes, we have sinned and fallen short and all these things, but everything is working so that God can once again have Complete communion with man. We don't have complete communion with God. If we did, we'd look completely different. We don't have what we're gonna get. I, I can't wait for the day when you get a, we could have fellowship with God like it was in the Garden of Eden. That's the dream of His heart. The Garden of Eden wasn't Plan B. The Garden of Eden was Plan A. Like He wanted that that deep fellowship with man and that's what we i meditate on i don't look at intimacy with god outside of who he is what did he do and how why did he create us intimacy with god is not um your way of getting through this time it's not our way of you know coasting through life it's not a opportunity that we have it's your only hope it's all you were created for, so to go against it is to go against what we were actually created for. And when you go with it, you, you come to this unbelievable freedom. And I'm not saying that I live in this, you know, great place of freedom in my life every day, but that's my goal. I wanna be free and I wanna be confident. I don't wanna be in bondage because there's no reason I should have to be because of intimacy with God and because of that confidence in fellowship with him and the knowledge of what he did in creation and what he's about to do to get it back to that place. So meditate and look at the the love of the Godhead. And Proverbs 8.30 talks about the Father and the Son, and it's it's a picture of creation. And He says, "I was daily the Father's delight as He's forming creation." The Son proclaims, "I was the craftsman, and I was daily His delight." And the people on the earth, they were My delight. The Son delight that what motivated Jesus was the delight of the Father. The best motiva motivational factor, the best thing jesus could have is the sky splitting the dove falling and the father saying this is my son that's all we need but we have to choose to believe that he says that about each one of us that we are his daughter that we are his son and that's his goal is to get us to be in communion with him and ephesians 1 6 I just love this little phrase. It says that by which we are accepted in the beloved. And I, the the beloved in my Bible, I think most, is capitalized, meaning accepted in the Trinity. Accepted in that fellowship of the beloved, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We have been accepted in the beloved. And that sounds pretty like, of course I'm saved. No, do you understand? We deserve hell. We don't deserve anything. And God sent his son and said, guess what? You're going to be accepted in this fellowship with God, with me, the father, the son, the Holy Spirit, all of us. You're accepted in this. That's our joy and that's our calling as humans. So that's what we're called to. So intimacy with God is our primary preoccupation. That's what I like to call it. Like you, you know, you met people or you are one. you're preoccupied with so many different things or all these different things. But ever sit down and think about what you're primarily preoccupied with. Is it God? Is your primary tension in life spending time with God? And I don't mean spending time with God like you imagine Mike Bickle does. Like we all have this idea that he does it perfect. This idea that he's got it down so right, I'm never going to be able to do it like that. I know I'm talking about you. How do you do time with God? It's going to look different for all of us. I am different than my mom. I am different than my dad. I'm different than my best friend. We all do it different. But to in your life, is it your primary preoccupation? Is it that tension that you go, oh, am I fellowshipping with God? And fellowshipping, not in a weird way where you have to, you know, sit in silence and, you know, pray in tongues for 15 seconds and then stop and then, you know, whatever. I'm talking about where your heart is open to the Lord all day long. We have the opportunity to acknowledge the Lord in all of our ways. We don't have to compartmentalize it to where it is intimacy with God. I have my fellowship, you know, from 7 to 9 in the morning, and then I do my day, and then I look forward to tomorrow. No, you have your time with God so that when you go out in the midst, God's with you, and you know it, and you're confident in it. And you can feel the Holy Spirit, and you can hear the Holy Spirit. We so want to hear the Spirit, but the problem is, We don't sit and listen enough. We're going throughout our day going, Lord, where are you? And he's saying, I'm here. Where are you? If we give him the opportunity to speak to us. And intimacy with God is about him. It's not about us. It's about loving him and meditating on the beauty of who he is. I mean, he's beautiful. Look at creation. Look at all of these people. You ever look at all the people around you and go, wow. He's really good at this. Like, how many billions of people are there? Everybody's different in their own way. Everybody moves God's heart a different way. That's beautiful. That makes you love God more. That's intimacy with God, is learning what delights His heart and delighting in it with Him. And meditating on His beauty. One of my favorite psalms, and which is one thing's favorite psalm, Psalms 27, it's um, a beautiful psalm of King David. In verse 4, I just want to highlight, says, One thing I have desired of the Lord, that way I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. And that's the cry of a king. That's a cry of a king who has everything. That's a cry of a man who has wealth, who has riches, and he's going, you know what? There's only one thing I desire. And he still did his duties, he still lived life, he still functioned as a normal person, but his cry was one thing I desire. That should, that's the, that should be the ache of our heart. I so want that to be the ache of my heart every morning that I wake up going, I just want God. I just want to know Him more. He's so worth getting to know. You have no idea. Just like you want to be known, do you ever just sit down and you're just like, I just wish people would get me and understand me. God has made Himself vulnerable like that. A God that says, you overwhelm me, when you look at me, when you talk to me, has made himself vulnerable to us and has made himself sitting there going, I just want people who want to get to know me, who want to spend time with me, who want to dwell on my beauty and whose heart cry is to spend eternity with me. And that's all of our heart cries. We all are like looking forward to eternity. But until then... Did you ever think about how far you can go on this side in getting to know him? How far can you go in asking the Lord what he looks like? It's important what Jesus looks like. And I don't mean like, does he have blue eyes or brown eyes? Brown eyes because he's Jewish, so he's got to have brown eyes. But then I've heard people, you know, say he has blue eyes. Like, that doesn't really matter. But what does he look like? When you read the Gospels What is he telling you about his character? What is he telling you about how he carried himself as a man? That's important to our lives right now. And that should be our primary preoccupation. We all have different callings. We all have different giftings. We all have, you know, I mean, everybody in this room, we could cover every, you know, possible thing known to man about just different things we could do. But when you look at Ephesians 1.17, which is our favorite prayer at IHOP, that the Lord would give to us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus. And that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened. Why? So that we would know the hope of his calling. And so often we read the hope of his calling and we go, well, I wonder what I'm called to do then. What is God's calling for my life? I'll give it to you. God's calling for all of your lives is the same. Everybody is called to have a secret history in God in their heart. That's the hope of his calling. That's your primary calling on this earth. It's internal. Man can't see it. And that's the joy of it. It's just you and God. That's our primary calling. Again, that's why we were created. To talk to God. To be with that man. To be with the Father. To be with the Spirit. To learn about who He is. So Ephesians one seventeen, when you pray it, yes, pray about what the Lord wants you to do in your life. I mean, I often am sitting here with my hands open going, Okay, I really don't know. I mean, I feel like you could move me to Africa in a second or something, but I'm praying going, Lord, what is your, what is your primary calling for my life? But every day I'm praying that he would open up my eyes to know him more because that's my primary calling. I don't want to do anything great on this earth. I don't want to like have some huge, you know, I can't think of the word, some repertoire to show at the end of my life. If I don't know God, I don't have anything. If I stand before him and I go, I didn't know you looked like that, I don't want that. I don't want that kind of regret. I don't want to look back at my life and go, I pursued so many other temporal things that it ate up. The space that was supposed to be for just me and God. We so look at our lives on this earth and go, well, I'll just get through the 70 years and get to eternity. But in eternity, we don't get a volunteer like we do now. We have the opportunity in our flesh, in our complete weakness, to volunteer to do this. That's such a gift to us right now. And I, I, I just, I'm so gripped for a generation that will actually read the Bible, that will actually look at Jesus and say, you know what, you're worth giving my whole life for. I don't care what I do. I don't care if I clean toilets for the rest of my life. If I get to spend time with that man on this side, it's worth it. And it might be dry, and it might be boring. It might be seasons in life where you just don't know what you signed up for again. But I know, I know that it's my primary calling. I know I was created for God. So I'm going to try and give Him all of me. Whatever that looks like. I, I have so many dreams and passions and desires in my heart like my dad knows i mean i wish i could have been in the army i so would have loved that but someday i mean it's cheesy my sister's laughing but it's really true like i think boot camp would just be so cool <laughs> i love all the war movies me and the guys watch the war World war ii movies i love all of these things you know i wanted to be a nurse i wanted to be all those things but am i willing to look at all these things that are probably real desires that God is going to honor in my life. Maybe not the army one. But am I willing to look at my dreams and desires and say, you know what? I know that there's maybe even something there, but I just want God. So, whatever that looks like, I just want to be with Him. And that's hard in our lives. Our lives, we all have different opportunities. Different things, and you're going to have things come in front of you that are going to pull you from that place of intimacy. That's always our test, is will we remain in that place, regardless of what comes in front of us? And there's seasons where it looks different than others, where we work more than others, where we do different things. But we never graduate from this. Even in eternity, we don't graduate from this. Because that's our goal. Our goal is intimacy with God forever. So why not do it now? So why not spend time with God now so that eternity, it's only that much more better. Whatever that looks like. Whatever glory that translates to in our resurrected bodies. So intimacy with God is our joy. As weak humans, it's our gift from our Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we have a gift to be accepted in them and to join in them. Whatever that translates to, I don't. I can't even go there sometimes. I'm like, the Trinity is just, it's so weird <laughs> if you think about it, but it's so beautiful. Like Stuart Greaves likes to just imagine that he's this little peewee. And when he pictures himself seated in heaven, because Ephesians says we're seated in heaven, and obviously I'm standing before you now, so I'm not technically seated in heaven, but in the spirit, I believe I have authority in heaven. So Stuart likes to picture himself seated between the father and the son. And he goes, okay, I just want it to go in between, like let it go in one ear and out the other, what the father and son are saying to each other. What are they talking about up there? They're talking Do we think that they don't? Do we think that there's no communication between the Godhead? No, we get to like tap into that. I don't mean we get to step into the strategy room of heaven and know everything. But there are those that are called to be. There are those that are called to go that far into that. But our goal and our journey on this life would be to get to know God. To understand him and His ways. And Matthew six thirty three says, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. That's just the easiest little commandment. If we just would do it. If we would seek God first. And before that, He's talking about money He's talking about food and clothing, saying, why do you worry about these things? Haven't I, don't even the lilies of the field are clothed, and they're beautiful. The sparrow has a home, has a nest when it needs one. Seek me first. You'll have all these things that you need, and more sometimes. But our, our, our commandment on this side is to seek God first. And it's not a, it's a journey to where it translates to sometimes it's one of those things in your life where you just do it because you know that you're supposed to. And those count. When you're doing it, your sheer will is choosing to live a lifestyle contrary to what you think. But when, sorry, I totally just got distracted but when you sit in those times it's the lord's desire to open up who he is and to show you that motivates you to keep coming back so our journey isn't always this journey i don't always cry Like, you know, my time with God is not always crying. Half of my time of God is find a scripture that looks fun. Like, 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 let's just keep this thing moving. (laughs) You know, that's just our journey. Let's just be honest. We're all weak and we all get bored. It's just how it is. But the more time you spend with God, the more you keep coming back. Why? Because he's the most amazing being ever on the face of the earth. He's the most phenomenal thing. You can't ever get to know him enough. There's so much information. There's so much things to do with God. So count him worthy of getting to know. He's a friend worth having. He's a friend worth living and giving our lives for. He gave our lives for us. How much more should we in turn who don't deserve life give our lives for him? He gave us everything he had. And Jesus came as a man in all humility, gave himself completely to a people that didn't even recognize him and that refused him. And still he said, I'm doing this for the joy of the glad for the day of the gladness of my heart. I know that there's a joy set before me. How much more so should we pour out our lives? And getting to know him because there's a joy. Because there's coming a day when we get to spend eternity with this man. So our internal calling, as I call it, however you want to rephrase that, our internal calling is just to be faithful disciples of Jesus Christ. That's our internal calling. That's intimacy with God to be a faithful disciple. And disciples a word that we don't always like because all of a sudden it makes our life sound really hard. But it's not when you're with the person that you love the most. When you're with the person who you know loves you the most. He's like the best dad, the best cheerleader, the best whatever you need for that moment. It's really true. He'll chastise you when you need it, but is the most gentle you've ever felt. He'll hug you when you need it if we just let him. I just so desire, even for my own life, that we wouldn't so put him up here. And I know we think we don't do that, but we so do sometimes. We just have to talk to him like a real person. That's all it takes. This is, this is the easiest thing. I mean, Anybody can do this. My nephew does this. Just say Jesus and there you go. You're good to go. This is our internal calling. And I love First Corinthians one through 27-29. It says, God has chosen. Again, sorry, I said it quick. First Corinthians 1, 27-29. It says, God has chosen the so-called foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame... I'm sorry, the printer ran out of ink. So I forget what it says right there. <laughs> Isn't that nice? Anyways, God has chosen the weak sh- things of the world to put to shame. The what? Whatever. I could turn there if we wanted. To put to shame the things which are mighty and the base things of the... Thing- the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are, that, are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. Let him who glories glory in the Lord. That is the most encur- one of the most encouraging scriptures to me lately. God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the world. What the world calls wise will be put to shame by weak human beings who believed in God. What the world calls great, what even some of the churches call the wise thing to do will be put to shame by the little old woman who decided to spend hours a day in prayer in her house. That woman's going to be terrifying. That woman will raise the dead by a little Sydney Roberts who believes when she lays hands on people, she, they'll be healed. God's choosing in this hour, not grand people, not people that have it all put together. He's choosing people that look like me, act like you. We're all weird. We all have funny things about us. And he's saying, I love these people. These are the people I'm calling for in this hour. To put to shame what man thinks he's built. What man thinks is unmovable. God is going to shake by weak human beings. And it comes from intimacy. It comes from just us having a friendship with God and counting Him worthy of that friendship and believing that He delights to be with us in that friendship. He so wants to be with us. Our biggest hindrance is believing that God does not want to be with us and that couldn't be farther from the truth. God desires to dwell with men. Again, all of the Bible, all of time is culminating so god can be with men not so god can fix us get us all put together and get us perfect so that finally it'll work out he just wants to be with us yes we'll be perfected in love yes we will be glorious in that day but he loves the weak ones he loves those who will just simply say yes. Like Jennifer was talking about this morning. One look is all it takes. One look in our day. One look in our life. each Throughout our life. Each day to look up and say, Oh God, you're beautiful. I love you. Oh God, it's all about you. What is on your heart today? Instead of coming before him... So often with every dilemma and problem, we just come before him going, we were created for you. Have your way. What do you want to say? And we, um, Thomas Dubé calls it, which he's a phenomenal writer on prayer and different topics, but he calls humanity an incarnate thirst, meaning thirst personified, thirst in the flesh. We are one Big thirst walking around. And all of our lives are being driven because we are thirsty. Everybody, all of us in this room have a gnawing ache to feel significant and to have impact. All of us have this thirst. We were born thirsty. And when we acknowledge that and acknowledge that there's somebody that can fill it, our lives make sense. But when we try to fill it with all the temporal things of this earth, of this world, we're filling the void that's supposed to be God filling us. And this thirst is it's unending until the day He comes. But the good news is, is just like at the woman at the well, there's always a new supply. Whereas when you thirst and you drink a Mountain Dew there you hit a capacity where you're just like okay i just overdid it that was too much or you're hungry and you go to chipotle and you like double the everything and you eat it and you go oh why did i do that it's not that way with god you say i thirst and he goes okay your heart gets bigger you go i'm still thirsty he goes okay and your heart gets bigger That's why he said to the woman at the well, you'll never thirst again. Because the moment you admit you're thirsty, there's water. There's life. We're just one big capacity that God needs to fill. The problem is we just need to empty. We just need to be that empty vessel that he can use. I love Martin Luther's quote, God made the world out of nothing. So we should become nothing so that he can do something with us. He didn't need anything to create the world. But he did it. And now we're standing here on this earth as vessels that he can actually fill. Have you ever cried out and go, Oh Lord, how much could I actually get of you in me? You know, we say we have the fullness of God, which we do. But it's not filling me. It's, it's I have access to it, but it hasn't consumed my being because other things are still consumed in my being. But that's our opportunity on this earth is to just be a thirst, to just continually daily move forward saying, Father, I desire, I'm hungry and I'm thirsty for the knowledge of God. And in this hour, that's what we need. Everybody has something to say about the church. Make sure in your or the lack of whatever in the church or the Western culture, but for your own heart, cry out for the knowledge of God. In your own heart, you might have a list of things against your brother, but do you have a thirst and an ache that exceeds that for the knowledge of God? Do we have the the ache in us to know God more? And that's my sales pitch to you. That this is what we are created for. So what other things should we be doing and like i said earlier that translates different to all of your life you're the only person that can answer for you and god i on the day of judgment on the day judgment in a good way we get rewards we don't get you know the gavel slammed down on our heads i think we'll have regret but on the day of rewards i don't get to stand there and speak on on your life your mother doesn't your brother doesn't you're the only one that can live your heart out the way you're supposed to before the Lord. So do it the way you want, you know to do it. Meaning don't compare yourself to the person on the right or on the left. Just do your journey. Go your way with God and see how far you can go with Him. See how much you can get to know and how changed you can be and confident you can be with God so that in that hour we can stand. And when you lay raise out your hand to pray for the sick, something will happen because you believe your friend in heaven has all power to do what you're asking him to do. And you're not disconnected from that. So that's my sales pitch to you this afternoon. Love God and just let God love you. If your life ends up to, I just let God love me, that you've had a successful life because you'll obey in that position. So I just want to pray for us, Father of Glory, Father of all glory, all power, all might, all wisdom and understanding. It's before you that we stand and we say, "Here we are, your the ones that you've created. Here we are, those that you have called in this hour." Lord, and we are even humbled that you have allowed us to be born in this time in history. That we are actually walking on the face of the earth in this time. And so, Lord, I ask for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to fall upon each one of us. That we would feel the urgency of the hour to go hard into the knowledge of God. To run deep into your heart. Lord, that You would give us grace to count You worthy every moment of our day. Grace to acknowledge You in all of our ways. Father, I ask for the delight that You have for the Son to be poured out upon each one of these in this room. The pure delight, regardless of our circumstance, regardless of the list that we have, that You have chosen us. I ask, Lord, by only revelation can we believe this. So I ask for the spirit of revelation that this be rooted and grounded in the hearts of the young adults. Rooted and grounded even those in their 40s and 50s and 60s. That lives would be marked and change and that they, they would count you worthy to be a friend. God, we long for fellowship with you and who you are. So come I ask with the spirit of wisdom and revelation on each heart and the rest of the conference I ask even tomorrow Lord would you mark people mark us in this hour Lord call forth a generation who will lay it all aside who will count all things lost like Paul said that will lay it all aside And say, I just want to press on to Jesus. To be with Jesus. So come, I ask, Lord, with the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And give to us understanding in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.